0: The opinions expressed on That's a Foul do not reflect the view of any organization to which the host or guest are affiliated or employed. Welcome to That's a Foul, and thanks for listening. In today's show, our friend and tireless water polo advocate, Mike Jones, joins us in studio to talk about some lessons learned from becoming an Eagle Scout, his stories from playing, refereeing, and running a master's team, how his NBA studies affirmed his leadership developed through his involvement in water polo the last 20 years, and his strategies for playing Monopoly. Let's do it! Sports are an integral part of my life, specifically officiating. I've met a lot of interesting people on deck and on the sidelines. From referees to evaluators, coaches to administrators, and players to fans, each one has a story to tell, and that's a foul, it's a place to tell it. Each episode, we'll dive into personal and professional lives to see what they can share to make us all a little better tomorrow. I'm Chad Packer, and this is That's a Foul. It's a late night here at the Packer House. Mike's come in after a long day at work, but true to form. When I asked him if he could come in and help further our conversation, he found a way to jump in and help. Mike and I met when he was a freshman and I was coaching Sycamore High School. After four years, he headed off to Ohio University and then returned to start the Ohio Squirrels with some other folks here in Cincinnati. Since then, he's continued to support water polo in Ohio and the Midwest through several different avenues. In the first quarter, we're going to hear about the podcast he started with his co-host Nick Helwig, The Spin Lob. Let's jump in. Okay. So Mike Jones, ironically, bit of trivia, in the logo, you're the first referee in that picture to be on.
1: Oh, that's great.
0: Yes, yeah. So uh, congratulations, there'll be something in the mail. I'll probably get you something on the way out, a water bottle or something like that. It's just a generic water bottle. I don't have anything branded yet. I was thinking about trying to figure out what to what to brand. I was I was actually, I've got some ideas, you know what I mean? What,
1: obviously, a COVID mask would be timely
0: indeed wouldn't it yeah yeah and then it'll go god hopefully it goes away mm. those freaking things
1: yep how do you have a relationship with gary carter
0: well funny story about gary carter Mike. he's a catcher right and i was a, i was a catcher as a kid so he he played for the expos uh mm. for years um and then uh and then he, he played on the mets the 86 mets beat the red sox you remember the Mookie wilson yeah ground ball That's through bill cool. buckner great story about gary carter uh he was a catcher i was a catcher. And so I had a, uh, those old, remember the old plastic batting helmets? Yeah. Remember those? So, but I would wear my backwards as Mm. a catcher. And um, I was riding my bike one day. There's a car coming or something. I just got a little twisted on it and kind of laid my bicycle down there and scraped the hell out of my knee Mm -hmm. or whatever. Found my way back home. And then later that night, I was looking at my, my, my batting helmet. And it had so many, it had just gouges right here to the point where it pierced plastic helmet didn't crack it but it pierced it and i started thinking to myself if i hadn't been wearing that helmet backwards when i landed
1: you may not be that would have been really bad yeah that's pretty so i always
0: chalk up you know my life was saved by by gary edmund carter yeah Mm -hmm. yeah so uh now we're in studio thanks for coming over by the way the zoom thing is great but if you can get it in studio,
1: it sounds just so much better i mean i've re-listened to my podcasts and it's i don't like listening to myself in general but (laughs) it gets the job done sure but they just started a podcast at work work related and you could tell these guys are pros and they're only on number six yeah and i'm like so the company's paying for all that and all that equipment they have a marketing team cleaning up i'm like that'd be great so right now Helwig and i are just gonna casually go through this wait till the end of the year and see what the next investment we did invest in the uh The actual licensed zoom so it's you can be on there for longer than 40 minutes right um so and it got there we had a master's group on a couple weeks ago johan from squirrels Mm -hmm. indie masters in cleveland we were going to have ben mcclure on from columbus but he couldn't make it but if he was on there too it would have been like an hour because it got to almost 45 minutes right with um entering back into the pool during COVID, how was that going and the structure of their programs and stuff like that sure it's good advertisement for um for Indy,
0: Cleveland, and us. So that's the the Spin Lob. It is. That
1: is Hellwig's baby name. I, I swear he probably would have named one of his kids that. He likes that phrase. So. He does. So <laughs> it's catchy, it's unique, and it's cool.
0: It is. And that's on, It's there's like a link through?
1: Uh, so it's through YouTube. Right. Uh, and so you, you could just do a search through Google on the Spin Lob okay. uh, podcast, and it will show up pretty quickly. Um, and then all of them they're all channelized there. So
0: right on. How are you guys getting all these big name people? I mean, you guys are pulling some some big time people. I know you've got a ton of connections. Is that are you just leveraging that or?
1: So, so I would say Nick started with, we started with a local group, and mm-hmm. then we started branching out, and then we realized we know these people are doing them already mm-hmm. in other groups. I'm sure they would love to jump on, especially if it's convenient for them. So we had. Maggie and Tony on. Mm-hmm. Then we had Savon from Wittenberg. We're having Felix with I on there a couple of weeks ago. John Abdul was on there. I've met them all in some. I've never met Maggie, but I met them in some shape or form. They recognize the squirrel's name. They recognize Helwig. Helwig's worked with them in some coaching mm-hmm. capacity or, you know, so it was great. And I think they love like speaking in Ohio because that's touching an area they really don't get to connect with. Right. And so they're getting good advertisement there too. So
0: yeah, I think all those people. I mean they are they are water polo enthusiasts. They yeah. are they have it in mind to grow the sport. They're right. not they're not California centric. The sport is mostly California centric, but they're right. recognizing, you know, there there are stories to tell all over the place. Right. So what what's been one of the challenges you guys are facing with the with the podcast or and then like a celebration, something that you're like super proud of? So the i'll start with the
1: celebration is just the amount of people that are willing to jump on yeah and they're organized a professional we have a list of just things that we want to go through in fact one of the things we'll eventually go through is you know two individuals that kind of can debate about not a call but like about how you would set up a play Ooh. so if you're doing zone defense what kind of things would you do as a coach to get through that or if uh, if they're doing man to man, or if there's a press on the counter attack, how do you capitalize that? What's your best approach? So that's really that's next level in scenario of thinking. But the other th- things that's been great is that uh, when we finish the call with them, we finally realize they or they realize here here's some more names that right. would want to be on here. Biggest challenge has been technology in some cases. You know, I have had some major Wi-Fi issues at my house. It's finally <laughs> fixed. Uh, you experienced some of that, uh, but. Uh, the other challenge is, um, sometimes just really anchoring down a good, solid organization. We finally have it down where we have structure of how every call is, and it's the exact same. And so Nick is the, um, foundation of our organization. He puts a lot of the script together already. So it's very easy. Um, but I would say it's more of a fun hobby to stay in touch with the sport more than anything. It's a different way to connect with people too, especially now.
0: Yeah, Nick's strength for sure is organization. I mean, just working with him in Ohio or whatever, he's super organized, and he's the secretary of the Ohio Water Polo Association, which I think is kind of the governing body now for for high school. That's definitely one of his strengths. I know when I was on, I appreciate you guys having me on, shameless plug. But um, (laughs) you guys were, yeah, as always, super organized. That's That's a strength of yours for sure. So we could go onto YouTube, and we would just search... The spin love. That's so, exactly right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Little little Nick, uh, <laughs> um, shout out there. And then then we then we can find the episodes there. You got some upcoming guests. Yep. Um, you mentioned Felix is going to be on. Yep. This week coming up, he's Brown.
1: Brown University.
0: Yep. And then from there, I'm sure you guys, like you said, you're reaching out to some more local coaches. We get closer to the high school season. Do you see yourself having more high school folks? Or
1: Yeah, we want to do a spotlight every week on a okay. high school team. Okay. We also are going to do a sibling thing. So the Matulis brothers will be sure. on there together. The sure. Put off brother and sister will be yeah. on there together at one yeah. point. Uh, and we actually were thinking about the Spangler, JJ and Caitlin on there just to mm-hmm. see how that would develop. Um, So I, I think there's just different angles we take it. And, you know, anytime we have someone on there from a specific part of the state of Ohio, all those followers up there are probably going to get on our podcast. So we right. just want to stay as wide away from Cincinnati as possible. Even though it's based out of Cincinnati, it's right. really an Ohio thing. Trying right. to reach every aspect of
0: Ohio. So Sure. So after you play polo at Sycamore, pick it up from there. Where do you go?
1: So I went to Ohio University got my undergrad there played club water polo there i played with uh another sycamore alumni jeff clemens who my oh, sister yeah. is married to but he was several years older than me and uh played four years there and loved every aspect of it anyone that has any interest in club polo try it because it's you get to run a team leadership you get to play with a it's a laid-back playing program but you could be as serious as possible and you could travel and see the midwest and the mm-hmm. country and then beyond that, I started playing master's polo for the Ohio Squirrels. My counterpart at the time, Nick Long, who's from the University of Dayton, both started the program, along with six other players that one is still active player, Chris Mathers. Yeah. Nick has gone on to bigger and better things. But other names, Paul Split was a part of the founding program, Phil Weisenfelder, Sarah Sander, Corey DeWall, I mean, some of yeah. the names that you recognize yeah. and you coached at well, at River City for sure. Yeah. Uh, and so they all trickled away, but Chris and I have sticked together and that was back in 2000. uh, I'm sorry, 2007. Yeah. When we kicked that off and we're still very active and very
2: playing.
0: That's fantastic. I remember when you guys started that, there, there had never, that was always a goal of river city was to really promote it after high school. That was actually kind of the goal. Never really got off the ground. So I was always super impressed with how you guys jumped on it and went to any tournament you could get into. Mm -hmm. And you know, it's, just to see you guys still playing and I mean, you have relationships where all have you practiced and where are you practicing now? <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: Uh, so we started off at Milford high school, mm-hmm. Gary Tamaris at the time, got us into that pool, introduced us to all the, the contracting and whatnot. And then we went off to Xavier university and then we went to university of Cincinnati and um, we're still kind of there, but on occasion, but our main pools are Powell Crosley, Y, St. Xavier, even Dale in the summer. And then UC when we have to use it. So okay. we have a lot of contracts.
0: Sure. Can you name those pools again?
1: Yes. Uh, University of Cincinnati, uh-huh. Evendale Recreation uh-huh. Center for Outdoor, Pal Crosley, YMCA. Uh-huh. Um, Saint
0: Xavier High St. School. Saint Xavier High School.
1: Right. And then Xavier University and then Milford
0: back right. in the day. So you guys have been everywhere. I think I practiced with you guys at, at Xavier a yeah. couple of times. I was exhausted. I don't <laughs> I just can't. Water polo is not one of those things you could just do sometimes. Right. Right. On like a softball or something like that. Right. So how do you, you guys are conditioning now? What do you, I, I've uh, seen some of the posts that you're doing, like what are you allowed to do right now during all this craziness?
1: Yeah, so it's, practice is only open for open for active members. So mm. people that have paid their dues, okay. they've, you know, submitted all the forms. We are practicing two days a week, Wednesday nights at St. Xavier's. Very greatly appreciate that they're letting us back in the pool with, within guidelines. And then Pal Crosley is Sunday mornings. Okay and when you say conditioning we are conditioning usually we will do warm-up a couple widths across the pool and then start passing now we're doing we got to 2400 yards on last sunday last mm-hmm. time we got to 2000 yards of just swimming and doing sets and staying socially distanced with two players per lane okay saint xavier's great because it's got all that space that yeah, we yeah. can use and then um We did a lot of legwork last night, passing socially distanced, shooting socially distanced, and then we clean everything
0: and we close up shop. Nice. So, How long are you going to play, man? Well,
1: that's one of the benefits (laughs) of married to a wife who kind of grew up in the water polo world too. Uh She knows this is a huge hobby of mine. Uh, I'd say I'm going to play until either the team falls apart or my body shuts down, but I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. Nice. It's a great pastime, even when players are like, a little bit injured, they might come and just swim laps, and then they'll referee. Mm-hmm. So they still get that connectivity with the team. We've only lost a couple to my body's quote-unquote worn out. I can't
0: play anymore. All right, as we head into quarter two, Mike shares his perspective on refereeing, how that's helped him as a coach and player, as well as his experience running the Ohio water polo camp. So you're one of those unique folks who has kind of seen it all, right? You still play, but you did play. You have coached, kind of led practices, organized, that kind of understanding how hard it is to organize a tournament, right? All the structure behind, you don't just show up and play. Sure. And then you also uh, refereed for, for quite a while. Knowing what a referee does, how does that even help you as a, as a coach or as a player or anything like that? So, I ref for 10 years, uh, I think five
1: or six with you, and four before that, before you crossed the line. Um, and I think the benefit of refing and still as a player, or even if you were a coach, you know exactly what the referees are looking at and what they're mm. told to look at. Sure. Not to try to get away with something, but to try to create vulnerability in the defense. So, for example, if the um, um, front court referee, is down on the two meter line and you know you have a right-handed player there's probably a referee staring right where that player is they yank back it's gonna be a quick kick out so you want to drop the ball in right where the sight of the referee is if you did the backcourt the other way so the behind the defense or behind the referee's vision or beyond the referee's vision backcourt referee should pick it up you don't know if they will or not they might be focused on something else going on um so it's difficult to get that call all the time they should slide obviously slide down and help that but Um, you just see things a little bit differently. And, um, you know, I'm not an active referee now. My players all think I know everything. (laughs) Uh, Or they complain to me like they know everything. But I think a lot of them, um, the conversations in practice are much more higher level about the calls being made and the best thing to do about this because we have insights from referees, Mm -hmm. myself, um jeffreys refereed for a stint mm-hmm. ben keith once upon a time mm-hmm. they just we just talk and um and we even have just next level players there too that talk too so i think it helps um create that um a better unity amongst the teammates that we we are talking about not only the game but also the rules that are applied to the game
0: what was the most challenging thing about being a referee
1: um i think the most challenging thing about being a referee was um you know, getting to the nearer the end of the season and realizing, did I do enough to get myself to the oh, wow. the next level of games? Sure. Um, whether it be a, you know, secondary pool that I'm refing at or whether it be maybe I'm in the finals. How many, you know, a referee is only good as the games that they've done and that they've learned something from. If you only did 10 games, that means you've only seen maybe 100 scenarios. If you did 90 games, you just saw a thousand scenarios of right. what can happen right. in every level. And so I think you just have to mentally prepare your mind that I've seen it before. I know. So it's the anticipation of a five meter. Sure. I've seen it. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. And you know when to call it right on. or how to call it.
0: Did you help start Oprah? Ohio Water Polo Referee so Association.
1: Oprah was started when I was a second year referee. Okay. Um, I wasn't on the board yet, but they had asked me would I wanna help start it. Mm-hmm. And it was basically Greg, Sanchez, Scott Allen, and Pete Pappas that started it. And I was just for it because I just like structure. I also didn't know like other th- these other states associations had, you know, organized referees. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? I thought everything was just contracted by the pool. Right. Like right. you know, Mr. Solomon would call me and yeah. say I need a ref. Yeah. Um and which has its pros and cons, probably more cons than anything. So um, I, I didn't help start, but, you know, I was on the board eventually and saw it grow and grow. Um, one of the things I think was nice being playing for the squirrels is that I was trying to create a pipeline for men to jo- to come over and ref. Well, I right. didn't need as many refs as like, you know, Columbus might or right. the North. But um, it was fun to see Kent Rasmussen ref yeah. for a little bit. Yeah. Ben Keith had a stint. Um,
0: Jeff? Jeff Snow Jeff jumped in. Mm-hmm.
1: yep. I, I, one day, Johan will be refing, I'm sure, yeah. in some capacity, because he likes the game, he likes yeah. that that um, knowledge. So,
0: yeah. Yeah, I want to be on a tough game with Johan, so no matter what happens at the end, I'm <laughs> I'm good walking out of the pool because he is he is a ginormous. This human is being. one
1: benefit of uh, social distancing. I don't have to play against <laughs> Johan is... or John Carnahan because they are just John Carnahan.
0: <laughs> what a beast! Shout out, person High School. Go ahead, yeah. John. <laughs> I wouldn't call it philanthropic work, but it is certainly giving back to the community. You started the Ohio Water Polo Camp. Yeah. What was its purpose and what joys did you get out of that being the the organizer?
1: Sure. So I'll give half the credit to my counterpart, Alexis Nordrum, uh, was my Mm -hmm. partner in crime here. Her and I, uh, we were at a Dante DeMonte. Mm -hmm. DeMonte. There you go. A training session up in Columbus, and I was talking to her, Sean Klein, and Kimmy, about mm-hmm. he was talking about all these camps during these classes and we have to go so far to go to these camps. Right. I never went to a camp when I was in high school. I had swimming, I had River City, and I had Boy Scouts. And I couldn't get away anymore. So I, um, we were talking, we were thinking like, all right, well, how could we put one together? If we've already run a tournament at the University of Cincinnati, could we somehow put a long camp together, maybe one day? And so Alexis and I recruited some people um, to help us get it off the ground. She has a very good relationship with Felix Mercado. She played for him for four years. And um, so they still were friends. And so we brought him on board as the curriculum driver to help with a lot of that. I was the um, business side behind it. uh, And she was the coaches and the staff recruiting side. Mm -hmm. So volunteers it was really cool to see you know this go from a 65 person camp to an 85 to a two night camp wow. we brought in brenda via we brought sure. in several coaches from the midwest from um the coach from mckendry uh colleen mm-hmm. peter Allis, curtis uh from erie from uh, mercyhurst oh yeah he was great uh jay O'Neill and we brought all these curtis great... robinette that's it yeah, yeah. really good guy We brought all these great coaches in, and they were phenomenal to work with Mm -hmm. because they they all knew each other, and they all see Felix as someone that's going to lead them, and he would just pick at their strengths and place them together. We had Dan Machulis out as well, and it was cool to see the dynamic. Curtis and Dan. Dan and Curtis have never met. Curtis coached Dave, but not Dan. You could see the dynamic going, so Dan would be in the water as the showcase person.
0: Sure it's yep. hard to mimic that
1: but yeah. and then curtis would be the person out in the scene outside teaching it was really cool to see 20 kids looking up to these people and That's awesome i just got to sit in the chair and like well, do the water i was the water guy all day right um <laughs> but it was it was fun so um small shout out uh louisa serra and her foundation sure. big, big promoter of that helped serve all the food during the day to all these campers and staff so i can't thank them enough for that so
0: yeah uh it's it's jcaf i think is right the jose right. Cerda yeah. aquatic foundation foundation is what it is yeah super super great family appreciate what louisa does that's that's good of you to give her a shout out quarter three finds mike and i discussing his leadership outside of water polo and a really cool story about something he and his brother greg did in honor of their grandma you were refing ohio high school and then you called a a full time out to go back and get your mba oh yes is where where were you doing that
1: uh, Northern Kentucky University. Okay.
0: okay. And you you just got it. Congratulations. I finished. Just, yep. May. Great. Yep. Did you have like a area of focus or?
1: Yeah, it was leadership and finance.
0: Okay. So, what did you learn from that that was kind of new? Yep. Or what were some skills that you'd either learned through starting the squirrels, running the Ohio water polo camp, being an Eagle sure. Scout, or, you know, being a referee or just being a dad? Like, just kind of talk a little bit about that NBA right. thing. Cause I think there's a lot of folks who aspire to get one. They just either don't know where to start or what to expect, or what they're really going to get out of it. So talk a little right. bit about just the experience itself and then maybe what you learned or maybe what just something that just kind of was reinforced.
1: Right. So it took just over two years. Uh, Northern Kentucky's got a relatively new program where it's it's a fast-tracked MBA okay. where you can take a class every five weeks. So it's very slingshot, very quick, but it's a lot of work, so lots of concentration. Then you get two weeks off then take another five weeks. Um, they... Um, Probably the biggest impact, so the things I got out of it immediately, especially when I was getting into the next level classes, there was one focused on negotiation. Hmm. So we deal with that in every aspect of our life. Uh, and I'm in sales at work, but even in a conversation with my wife about who's going to do the dishes or a porter, it's time to go to bed. Well, can I do one more show? It's like things you just don't even realize you're in a negotiation <laughs> all the time. That's right. And... Um, I mean even when you get up and put on a t-shirt what am i going to wear today that's a negotiation with yourself so the different types of negotiations and how to handle them and within that class we actually were doing live negotiations on real merger and acquisition opportunities wow. uh, so you know kmart buying target let's go and they would give us the numbers and you were one part that was interesting uh resolving conflict was a big one mm. um how to handle different levels of conflict in the workplace outside of the workplace i'm not a police officer but even like, even at a store where you can see people having an argument, how do you settle the scene down? Hmm. Um, Work, it's more imperative. There were more work examples, but how to reduce conflict between two coworkers or just tension within a project. So it gets to that level. That was beneficial. Uh, Most challenging part of it was international currency exchange. There was a whole (laughs) class dedicated to that. Um,
0: How is the yen doing right now in the Nikkei index?
1: It, it was uh, very difficult, um, especially when it is, you know, a lot of their tests and quizzes are online. Wow. A lot of them are actually multiple choice, but you slip up one second uh, inch of that equation, you can get a completely different answer and it's on there too. So of course um, there was a math side of it that was not easy, but I got through it. So, um, but it was good. No, it, you know, my, my boss at work asked me, he's like, why are you doing this? I think it's great, but why are you t- mm-hmm. getting your MBA? Sure. It's a great question. And it was like, because, all right, I'm at work 45, 50 hours a week, and I'm just zeroed in on the development of work, of driving sales, and whether it's sales for me, whether it's sales for another territory, I am just I need something for just personally for me sure, to show that. So I'm grinding out at work. I think I'm developing well at work, but there is another level that I don't think I'm hitting at all, hmm. which is that academic level. You know, I can read all day about the markets, but I think I needed something else to build a better foundation. And so it was an easy thing to get into. I did a lot of, I had a lot of admission calls with people to make sure this was the right choice. And um, I mean, NKU was, they, they took me in. It was great. I was only on campus twice though, because it was hundred percent online. Sure. Uh, and one of those times was to pick up my gown, which I actually had to return. <laughs> um, but uh, at the end of the day, I'm happy I did it. And it was a couple sleepless nights, a couple rough mornings, um, yeah. working, you know, through lunch at work on some assignment. Sure. It was fine.
0: So, oh, congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Are you a guy that sets goals in? I'm just listening to your stories today and I'm thinking to myself, are you driven by setting a target and getting after it?
1: I think that's the only way I can exceed mm-hmm. at anything. I think, um, you take a break every now and then, but if I have something else I want to work for, I'm back on point. Mm-hmm. Um, Even in refereeing, like in my mind, I'm like, I want to be on the finals. How am I going to get your eye, Greg's eye to be on the finals game? Or I want to run the best tournament in the state. How do we do that? Um, And so I just want to be perfect. So um, it was good.
0: Uh, You mentioned uh, scouts, right? Yes. So you're an Eagle Scout. Yeah. What did the scouting really instill in you in terms of leadership?
1: So um, my dad was an Eagle Scout. He brought us into the scouting world. He introduced everything to us. Um, so you, you kind of put that up there as that was already driving me towards being a good leader because he already is so but scouting you know you got to learn how to manage things um your time manage your energy manage you know be very organized so prioritize your day and scouting helped me with that a lot mm-hmm. you know be, having to play water polo go on water polo trips every weekend yet go to scouting events and scouting meetings during the week once a week and then being able to still advance 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 as well as go to school you just it's tough to do that so that's one key attribute um also you know scouting brings together 25 immature boys i mean we're all and girls too now but we're all just wringing our necks we're fighting and stuff <laughs> like that you have to learn how to be the better example and step up hmm. you know you have to learn how to organize if you're going to clean up a field how are you going to take care of it what's the things that you have to do you know get the ringleaders to help out and then everyone else will follow um and you got to be motivated so at 14 15 16 17 when i finally got it you get pulled into 15 different directions Mm. and if you don't have something that it's great to try everything it really is but at one point in time you got to stop trying everything and stick to like two or three things okay uh when you're getting to like the teenage years or the young teens years because you're just not going to realize what you like you just think i'm just going to do everything which just has some benefit So my brother stuck with water sports and Boy Scouts. um, And we were kind of involved with our church too. So it helped us really streamline the next level what we want to do. Um, Now, um, you know, I don't give back to Boy Scouts at all, unfortunately. And I I should do that because I think it's still a good organization. I have my Scout handbook, though, from when I was a Boy Scout. So this thing is 20 years old. Uh It's at the farm. Oh, yeah. We pull it out anytime we see something, and now it's pretty light. You know, it's a lot of information in there. But if we see a bird, I'm pulling that out, and then Andrea and Beth are pulling out like the main handbook for birds. It's yeah. we compare like well, my my book says this, I'm twenty years old. Their book, two years old, says this. So, so we uh, we have fun with it still, and the kids learn and things like that. We read it sometimes. So
0: I think that's cool. What was your Eagle Scout project?
1: It was a sidewalk out of Church of the Savior, mm-hmm. Church on Pfeiffer Road. Um, it's a Methodist Church, and it was a probably um 25 30 foot by eight feet foot sidewalk that was bricked out Mm -hmm. so you had to raise the money for it Mm -hmm. that wasn't easy we had to kind of build a lot of it during winter not the deep part of winter but like late fall and then early springs was kind of cold um and yeah recruit people to help Uh those bricks can get pretty heavy
0: so yeah and it's still there actually it's not Wow, Um, that's a buzzkill.
1: They uh, Actually, it wasn't too long after my wedding, when I got married there, that they brought in a a tractor and just cleared it and they figured out a whole new routine of sidewalks back there. So it wasn't just my sidewalk back there, my dreams did too.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's great. That's really cool. Yeah. I can't remember the details on it, so you'll pardon, but you and your brother did a run in honor of your grandma. Oh yeah. What That's was right. what was that? Tell me, tell me a little bit about that.
1: So my mom, she was my mom's mom, passed away. I can't tell how many years it was now. It might have been 2018. It might have been 2017. Um, so Greg and I had a plan. So she passed away from multiple things, but one of the things she passed away was diabetes. Uh, so we had a plan that in a year from now we were going to run. 90 she was 96 96 miles Mm -hmm. in one day so at the time we were already running marathons i was on like number 10 greg was on like number 20 so we had the mindset of what to do it's just putting can we put the time in and it was going to be a nice easy run we were going to raise money though to support diabetes Ironically, the date we set was the same exact date. That two miles up the road, there was a diabetes fun run going on. So what we did is we called them okay. and said, "We're doing a run too, not on your little fun run. We're going to do it down at Sycamore Junior High, right. and we're going we're going to raise money and just give it to you. We're awesome. you you are our outlet. Thank you, by the way. So they said, "Great, sign up with us. It's no, uh, we'll waive your registration fee because you're going to raise a lot, and um, just go do it." and so we raised um 1900 bucks before the date of the run and we um didn't get to <laughs> didn't get to 96 unfortunately uh we started at 2:30 in the morning we did we had set up uh 10 10 mile loops uh greg crashed and burned at 30 i crashed and burned at 60 oh, however gosh. combined 30 plus 60 is 90 and then we had um, one of my kids was there. My sister's kids were there. Uh, my buddy Ryan, we actually got well over 120 miles as a group. Cool. So we exceeded the mileage yeah. and reality. My mom just told me to stop. She's like, you're just doing too much. This is too much for you. So, uh, <laughs> but I got to 63 miles and she was uh, pretty excited about it. It was great.
0: So given all your experiences, Mike, and when you look at it from a 50,000 foot view, what does water polo meant to you? you know, you start
1: playing water polo as a kid and you start playing at the college club level or the division level or whatever level and you, you get so ingrained at it, eventually you realize that the sport of water polo actually helps your other parts of your life because it's the connections you make. So a network of people that maybe help you find a job. It's the strength of being a coach that is able to lead a team or maybe even a captain of a team helps you in a work project at work because you're able to lead, use those things. So they're, they can play off each other really, really well. I think if people can realize that it's like we've talked about, it's not about winning and losing. It's about what you're taking away from here to help over here, raising a family, you know, or doing another activity. They can play off, off each other really well. Not every sport can do that. This is a team sport. It's very a high level of contact. It's a unique sports. Um, there's a lot of different variations that can happen. Uh, it's kind of like the stock market; it changes every day. You, you're seeing another iteration. It's not going to be exactly the same. Mm. How how are you going to manage that as a coach on the defensive end, or even on the offensive end? How are you going to manage that? And so um, it can strengthen you for sure. And I think that's the biggest value you can take away is how it's helped everything else in my life.
0: So we end every every uh, show with the rapid fire questions in the fourth quarter because that's when the game gets really intense. Mike, are you ready? Mm-hmm. drink of water ready clear the lips me my mama, unique new york here we go you have a twin brother greg did your parents dress you guys in the same outfits as kids absolutely do you remember one
1: Uh, Easter Sunday, be like a suspender, yellow pants, button-down shirt. (laughs) Girls went crazy. Oh, they did.
0: Yeah, that's right. Coolest Halloween costume you've ever worn?
1: Uh, I was recently uh, teenage mutant turtles uh, in college, and I'll, I'll give you a second one. Running of the bulls in college. So my buddy bought a bull outfit. And we were all dressed up as in you know, the white with the red bandana, and like, uh, what city is that uh, is it in Spain? Pamplona. Is it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we would be charging down Court Street with a bull chasing us. About six guys running and this bull oh. just running us over. It was hilarious.
0: So OU Halloweens are as yeah as legit as I've heard.
1: They are. I think they've become more tame, but um, it's a lot of fun. Just be safe when you go down there. Know somebody. Um, <laughs> have a buddy. Have a buddy.
0: Good for you. Where are you on the introvert and extrovert spectrum?
1: I'd say I'm probably, if the scale was a hundred points, I'm probably at like 55, 60 extrovert. Hmm. Um, because I feel like I like meeting people, but I also like peace and quiet and keeping myself. And I think a little bit deeper and, you know that organization prioritize mm-hmm. laser focus i don't need people to be dealing with me on that so
0: probably 55 to 60. it's good balance you're in charge of the thermostat during summer like <laughs> what's that temperature before you head off to bed are you in charge of the thermostat i'm not oh. um
1: probably 77. shut
0: up yeah you guys sleep in 77. yeah if i was in charge of the thermostat okay <laughs> wow that's that's warm. It's karaoke time at the local pub. Someone just dared you to sing.
1: What's your song of choice? Um, Kelly Clarkson since
0: you've been gone. Oh man. That's fantastic.
1: Like a shout out to Jordan Meyer. He would be the one to tell me to do that. Oh, <laughs> you water polo player. Okay.
0: great. Okay. Fan. What's your favorite board game?
1: I like battleship. Okay. If that's called a board game. It is. It is. Um, it's in like a box. Monopoly as well right it takes forever right. and <laughs> I played with my daughter the other day and um she's pretty good uh, she likes to trade the properties okay me. and so that was interesting to
0: see so, do you have a strategy do you like buy everything the first time around the board you, or
1: so I think you have to first of all I think people play Monopoly wrong okay um if you land Not on something wrong. and you don't want it it actually goes up for auction right away it's, you don't have to land on it the second time around so you actually clear up the board very quickly. Interesting. It, it's worth the Google to look up the actual board Yeah, Yeah. And yeah. I yeah. Um, but I don't have a strategy. I buy everything. Yeah. Because eventually I can either trade it right. later. Um, but if you miss those opportunities to lose profit, if you pass it once, you're never going to get it again. Pretty low probability
0: there. If you pass it once, you're never going to get it again. Yeah. Lessons in real estate, Mike Jones. <laughs> what do you remember about your first job? My first job
1: out of college or my first job in general?
0: Your game, Mike, you so choose.
1: First job ever, I was a newspaper delivery. Okay. Walk around Palmetto Woods, throwing this paper around yeah. people. But the most difficult part was uh, actually you have to stuff all the newspapers before in mm-hmm. these tiny little plastic bags and that was annoying. And then you had to go collect the money afterwards. Yeah. And um, not easy, my yeah. mom kept us on point. It was just kind of a something to do
0: even though we made a little bit of money, um, but yeah. That was my first job. Do you and Beth have any holiday traditions you want to tell us about? So, a
1: lot of warm holidays, even cool holidays. We she likes to make bourbon slush for the family when oh we have it over. Oh boy! Uh, using a cheaper bourbon and uh, some Sprite, some lemonade, and it freezes it. So it's a yeah. it's a nice refreshing treat. So that's that's a good tradition that we do quite often. Beyond that, we don't really have many okay.
0: great traditions. Okay. Would you rather do a balloon ride, hang glide, or skydive? Uh,
1: probably balloon ride. I have a small fear of heights. I oh, think oh nothing boy. below me would
0: be no. deficit, maybe very high anxiety. <laughs> okay. Final question. What's your idea of the perfect day?
1: So perfect day, get up early, get a long run in in the early morning when it's cool, uh, take my kids to either pool or something like that where I can stick my feet in that are probably sore and relaxed, probably pick up donuts on the way just to get them sugared up so I can waste all that energy. <laughs> uh, get pizza. We've done this day, by the way. We ah. get pizza on the way home or eat it in the restaurant. Um, everyone lie down for a couple hours, go to an arcade afterwards, drop the kids off of my parents, take the wife out to dinner. So there is a subliminal thing in there guess who's not with us all day? My wife. So I magically gave her a free day. So, yeah, that would be a perfect day. Probably a perfect day for her, too.
0: Nice. Yeah, That's a good one. That's good. Well, thanks for coming in, dude. You're welcome. I appreciate it. I know it's uh, it's a little bit later, but... Like I said earlier, man, I, I think folks like you are imperative to keeping water polo going in uh, a state like Ohio, man. So I think you got a cool story to tell. I appreciate what you and Nick are doing on the podcast. Yep. We'd love to have you back on at some point. Certainly would love to have you back on the sidelines as uh, a referee.
1: Yeah, one day. Uh, Greta is almost 2 in September, mm-hmm. and we'll see if I can leak myself back in slowly for maybe just some weekend local competition. But um, you know me. If I'm in, I'm typically going to be all in eventually. So, but it is it is fun. You know, I still go to high school games just to watch. I bring some of the squirrels with me. Mm-hmm. We went to states sure. that once. Uh, I get down to the Packer Classic as much as I can. I usually bring a kid with me, and I usually get the schedule either from Helwig or maybe it's online where I the the games I want to see, and it, it's fun. And then in my mind, I'm thinking, I always run through the play or the calls. I'm like, yeah, it's a good call. Oh, good call. Hmm. You know I like that call actually, so it's it's interesting to still have that and see that. So.
0: It's hard to let go of the sport. That's for sure. I mean, yeah. it's it's gonna be with you for a long time in some capacity. Right. Because once it gets inside you. Right. It's just. It's a cool. It's a cool thing to be a part of. All right. Well, I'm sure we'll see you on deck. Yes. Sometime. For sure. Yep. And uh, with a with a handshake and a hug. Mm-hmm. All right, brother. Thanks, man. You're welcome. That's Mike Jones right there. If you need him. In our conversation today, it hit me that I was sitting across from a guy who 10 years older than I was when he and I started our friendship. There's probably an ACT math question in there somewhere, but the point is, we sometimes get this amazing opportunity as coaches, referees, and parents to watch our kids grow up and do great things. Mike is just one of the successful athletes who are now giving back to the sport that we all love. Man, it was great to see him, and it was great to have this conversation. Well, that's a wrap on season one. What started out as something I thought would be a little more referee-specific has found its way onto a path more focused on what sports means to each of our guests. I'm pretty stoked that happened. I'm going to keep following that path as long as I can. Should have a Season 2 preview coming soon, uh, talking about some of the guests we already have scheduled. Can't wait to see what's around the bend, and I really appreciate you for jumping on each Tuesday morning to join us on our travels. Until next time, y'all, be good to the refs. Shout out to our friend and fellow referee, Adam Carroll, for That's a Foul theme music. If you like what you heard today, tell a friend where to find us and follow us on your podcast service. As always, you can find show notes and other topics covered on today's show on our website, TAFpodcasts.com.